As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Underground Nights. I'm Paul Field in Bexelon-Sea, and I'm joined as ever by my co-host in Atlantic Canada, Mr. James Mullinger. Hello! How long has it been? <laughs> Ages. Absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. It has been at least six months, possibly a year. I think we've only done one since we had a session together in England, but um, but we're yeah. back with a very un-underground um, nights uh, subject. Yes, romantic comedies, James. Yes. Um, we'll, we'll come to those later and the reasons why you've um, picked those. But Don't fucking do you know blame what? me, you slice. <laughs> <laughs> we, we should... Um, well, let's kick off with a little bit of housekeeping and we can kind of bring people up to speed and what you've been up to um, in the interim. Um, that, was, uh, that was very nice, blaming it on me. I like that. Yeah, why you've decided... Well, can I just say, James, in the notes uh, for for the show, I'm pretty sure it says we need to explain why we're doing rom-coms apart from you being a big fanny. It does. It does indeed say that. And uh, that actually uh, sums it all up. Um, I think uh, you are right. I did pick rom-coms. I think because I do have, they are one of my guilty pleasures. And as you know, most of my pleasures I'm not remotely guilty about. I'm not remotely guilty about Mob Andit being one of my top five favourite films. I'm not remotely guilty about any of my uh, sick and twisted uh, hobbies, but um, I probably am a bit guilty about rom-coms. So it's um, it, it's nice to uh, open up and be honest for a change. So what have you been up to for the last sort of six months? I know you've got another show coming up. Um, the Maritime Edit's doing really well. And what what happened to the zombie film? Is that is that near? Is it far? Oh, yeah, they, it, it's done and it's premiered at various festivals around Canada. So yeah, so I've got my second like uh, second ever essentially arena show or second kind of solo arena show coming up uh, on Saturday 28th of April. Um, which I'm very excited about. It's two years to the day since I, I last did this venue on my own. I've, I've done various award seminars and stuff there since. Uh, so that's been crazy busy. And yeah, my wife and I, as I think I mentioned in the last podcast, you know, started a magazine uh, here. So we, yeah, I decided that wasn't busy enough. So I thought I would take on 60 people's jobs and uh, yeah, it's been as hectic and manic as you would think. But you know, it's nice to be doing. Uh, it's like it, it, it's nice when it's 
it's your baby at the end of the day. So um, it's it's hugely stressful trying to produce a magazine out of your home and try and make it match the standards that you're used to. But um, I'm having a blast. And um, and um, amazingly, I'm finding time to watch dog shit films. So I'm happy. Excellent. Um, talking of which, let's just segue straight in then to... Uh, we always I know we're late to this, but every year we do like to talk about the Oscars. And the films that were kind of up for the awards. It's true, because we always tend to come back to the Oscars because we tend to, you know, I think the last time we spoke, I probably banged on for a very, very long time. And I've been banging on a lot about it on um, uh, other interviews and stuff I do to promote stuff about movies like The Hitman's Bodyguard, which, you know, just balls out entertainment, terrible reviews. But, you know, uh, an amazing movie that entertains real, normal, hardworking people like us. Um, I say hardworking. Um... And similarly, we've talked in the past, obviously at length, uh, we mentioned the words Dirty Grandpa more times than any other film. And, and we often kind of come back to the fact that, you know, Oscar films tend to be dog shit and boring. And uh, in, your, in the show notes here, the, the, in the email you sent me, it actually does say why Oscar films are dog shit and boring. <laughs> you know me, mate. I, I like to stick to the schedule. I'm not going to mess up. <laughs> I read that in the office and all my colleagues were looking at me because I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> and, 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 and this is the thing, right, is that, I mean, dog shit is maybe uh, an overstatement because here's the thing. Phantom Thread, Call Me By Your Name, The Post, Dunkirk, I get that they're all extremely well made. Well done. Well done for making extremely well made films. Well done. Did you making... have you watched them all though, James? Yeah, have you uh, how many of these have you watched? Well, you know what? I haven't seen the post because I've already seen Spotlight and I don't need to see another three hours of people staring at each other shuffling papers. So it's it is you've nailed it, because I watched this and it is um just like Spotlight, but less happens in this than spotlight <laughs> i was hoping you'd possible? seen it just just so you would be apoplectic with rage <laughs> i mean i don't know how i don't know how less can happen in a movie than spotlight i mean it's weird i remember the day i watched i don't spotlight. think they had photocopiers back then so they, you couldn't even watch them through the photocopy oh my god i mean i mean it just beggars me i mean i well the, the, the day i watched spotlight i had to go and watch two of the greatest movies about journalism ever which are the other woman uh, which is directed by uh, one of the Red Shoe Diaries uh, directors and stars Adrian Smed, who was Mr. Nogarelli in Greece too. And of course, the greatest movie about journalism ever, the movie that basically always pits all the president's men to the post. And that is perfect with John Travolta and Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, it, it beggars belief to me that, I mean, again, just spotlight. I mean, I honestly, I honestly felt that the erotic thriller, The Other Woman, which has to be seen, by the way, it's a masterpiece, um, it says more about journalism than Spotlight did. And I love the fact that when I listed these films that I said were dog shit and boring, you knew full well that there was at least one I hadn't seen. <laughs> <laughs> I was just making it up. Just no, like I when I used to be an actual film critic with right reviews. I mean, but here's the thing. I don't need to see the poem because I saw The Phantom Thread. Now, again, well done, Paul Thomas Anderson. Extremely well made. Um, not as entertaining as the movie by the other Paul Anderson. Uh, um, um uh, Resident Evil. Not you know, this is this, this is the thing with the Phantom Thread. Is it's brilliantly made. The costumes are of course amazing. It deserves. Did you Oscar. watch it all the way through? Because I I fell asleep. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Remarkably, I did. I was in the New Glasgow Travel Lodge in Nova Scotia, and I somehow watched it all. Basically, because I I again, it's that thing where you're like, something's got to happen. Something's got to happen. So, and you go, oh no. Fuck all's going to happen because it's an Oscar film, and and clearly the Academy hate films where something happens. Um, 
again, two people staring at each other. I, I, I just, I just don't get it. Um, call me by your name. Beautifully shot, uh, excellently acted, and yes, you know, amazing. There's some gays. How, how unpatronizing is that? That we're all going to love a film because it's about some gay. Brilliant. That's really that's progress right there. That, that that's as much progress as a room full of white people standing on their feet to clap, get out, winning uh, Best Screenplay Oscar, which clearly it did deserve. However, the way they all leapt up, it was like a scene out of Get Out, for fuck's sake. Um, I mean, literally, like, like, I mean, at Calgary, nobody appreciated the irony of a movie about the way in which the uh, white liberal intelligentsia uh, are actually uh, helping far less than they think. I mean, literally, it was just, I mean, that moment just blew my mind. I honestly thought I was watching an outtake from Get Out. Um, anyway, coming by another movie, two people staring at each other. Uh, Dunkirk, I've got to be honest. Ah, uh, this is the one I want to get into, Dunkirk. I walked out, so I haven't actually seen all of it. I paid I paid money to see it in an I, in not an IMAX, the AVX. What's that mean? Is that where you see rumbles or something what's avx i don't know i think it's basically uh they they make the screen a bit bigger and charge you a bit more they put the seats <laughs> they put the seats closer to the screen it, it's basically <laughs> what we have to make do with in small towns when we don't have an imax um now i mean all i remember about this film is this uh, a geezer again staring and then the that, that's that's it. Is that that's the film? Pretty much. But the thing is, that I, I and foul critics, this is going to switch off now because I've done this before. But <laughs> there's top, you know, Tom Hardy's he's in his aeroplane towards the end of the film. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I wouldn't know, man. I'd walked out by then, and I okay. I, 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 I genuinely I genuinely came home and watched the Toxic Avenger. Yeah. Well, Tom Hardy near the end, he runs out of fuel in right. his Spitfire, while the beach is completely full of the allies waiting to board ships to get away. Okay. So this gliding plane comes along and he, he, he manages to, to rat a tat a couple of Germans out the sky. Bear in mind, he's got no fuel. He's gliding. We suddenly cut to it being dark. The beach is empty and Tom Hardy is still fucking gliding in this plane. <laughs> he lands on the same beach where he could have escaped five minutes ago and the Germans catch him. It's like, no, I mean, the, it's like the continuity guy had fucked off down the pub and Kristen Nolan's like, ah, fuck it, I don't care. If you've spent 100 million quid in a film, yeah. I mean, at no, no point did someone tap him on the shoulder and go, um, yeah, excuse me, Chris, I, I think you fucked up there. Yeah, it is the thing, Chris. I can tolerate the fact you didn't bother to write a fucking script, mate, and then you've, all you've done is hire someone to create the sound effects. And... But what we can't <laughs> handle is lack of continuity, you bellend. I mean, I mean... <laughs> I mean, this, I mean, it's just it just beggars belief. And it, but I mean, I will say, unlike most um, Oscar seasons, there were lots of exceptions. You know, Get Out, yes, uh, a brilliantly entertaining film, uh, a great horror movie, a great satire. Um, yeah, I'm 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 happy to see that in there. And I, again, I was happy to see it win. I just found the uh, that that incredibly patronising moment where all the white people leapt to their feet. Uh, I Tonya, I also thought was 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 very good. And by very good, I mean you know. Three and a half stars, which for a, for an Oscar, I mean, and again for an Oscar movie, it wasn't dog shit and boring. So hats I really off. liked, um, I really liked on I Tonya. I yeah. thought that was excellent. Yeah. Um, oh God, who who's the who played the mum? 
um, oh, yeah. Alison Janney. Alison Janney, yeah. Her swearing was epic. It was. And her smoking. I mean, literally. Yeah. Like, I, I think I'd quit again right before watching that. And after that, I'm like, I've got, I'm picking this up again. That is epic smoking. And, uh, you know, you've got, and again, the, the fact that she smokes the hundreds. Uh, uh, three billboards, again. Um, mm, okay, again, go on. Tell me why you liked it, and I'll tell you why something happened in it that really threw me out the film and I didn't, I couldn't really didn't understand whether it was supposed to be a comedy or what was going on. Well, I mean, definitely the, the, you know, again, and I, I don't like necessarily falling into this kind of these zones, but I did find it rather racist that, that, you know, this, that this, uh, that the black character who works with her gets arrested and then goes to jail for however many weeks, months comes out. And all she's worried about is, is the white character. Okay. Um, that, that took me out of the picture enough that I was basically thinking that for the whole rest of the film. Um, Sam Rockwell, I guess it was a good performance, like everyone said, but again, um, a completely unlikable character who didn't deserve any redemption, given all the people that had suffered. Um, uh, and to be honest, uh, all of that said, it was good, but unfortunately, that Martin Mook, however you pronounce his name, is such a genius that, like, you know, in Bruges is such an absolute masterpiece yeah. that, that it, to me it just did it didn't live up to that. But that's a that's a minor complaint. Why didn't you like it? Well, there's a, there's a scene, and this is where I, you know because in Bruges is is quite funny. It's like a comedy drama, but there's a scene where he the the policeman goes up into that guy's office, kicks the fucking living shit out of him, and throws him out of a window in front of his other police colleagues, yeah. and isn't arrested for it. And I'm like. What did it really? It really. I was like, well, hang on. So if that isn't happening, is this supposed to be funny? And then it just—it really lost me at that point. That, that, uh, and I, I completely agree. Those things really do throw me. It's funny. There's. I mean, I'm briefly going to mention the season two of Fargo shortly, and it's and it's things like that where you go, look, this might be lawless, and it might be this, that, and the other. But there's certain things that you just. And at that point, it's like, well, okay, so yeah, anything can happen. So so. Um, everything's gone, and and I, I don't know how much I agree with the uh, accusations that um, it was offensive to you know to uh, if, I can't remember if we're allowed to say dwarf anymore, but Peter Dinklage's character, um, and and uh, but um, but then that said, um, you know, yes, he was the butt of a million jokes, and and uh, yes, he had one great speech at the end, but um, anyway, there was too many things like that that took me out of it. And 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 yet, I mean, which again is the sign of a, a, not a great movie. And again, I mean, I'm sure there's factors of in Bruges that weren't politically sound. Not least the fact that our protagonist and hero killed a child. Um, but um, but you're so swept up in it, you don't think about any of that. And the other thing that I I did really enjoy was Lady Bird, which mm. I thought was uh, very well done. I, I think I watched, my, my wife gave it to me on Blu-ray for my 40th. I watched it two days after. I was definitely slightly emotional on, on, on a come down from the week's bender. Um, so so did cry quite a lot. Um, possibly, again, it, it's, it's weird. It's when these movies come out and they've got 100% of Rotten Tomatoes and their masterpieces and blah, 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 and you watch them and go, that was very good. And, and maybe I'm wrong to say that. Maybe if a movie does make me cry and entertain me, I should just accept it at face value and go, okay, it's a masterpiece then. But um, Yeah, I, I watched it. I, I, I'm actually struggling to recall much about what happened apart from uh, Cersei Ronan wanting to go to college and, and that was it. Because I love Greta Gerwig and I, you know, I was keen to see what she could do in the director's chair. But 
Do you know what? I don't think this film was for us, James. I think it was for 17-year-old girls. M- maybe and, and or mothers as well, I guess. Yeah, or, maybe. I don't know. But, um, but it, as ever, I suspect that all of the old white male critics that were giving it 100% uh, or five-star reviews are thinking it's for 17-year-old girls. But I don't think teenage 17-year-old girls are really interested in watching Lady Birds. They're too busy. I, I'm not going to make the joke I was going to make. but um, but Instagramming the... Doing something Things? else. Doing something else. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, should, but, we, should we wrap up our Oscar chat there? Have you got anything else to say? So yeah, I would. I mean, all, really, all I'd like to say is that um, all of that said, none of these things. And I know we're not we're not going to go into uh, subjects, but maybe I might ask you a question in one sec before we move on. But I, I literally just finished Fargo season two, which I, I didn't think I was ever going to watch because I started the first one and basically found it draggy a bit. And um, and Billy Bob Thornton, I do find a bit tiresome. And Martin uh, Office Geezer's uh, accent was just, I, I do think it's... Ah, can I just, just so you know, I, I had to turn this off, I think, episode one or two in season one because of Office Bloke's accent. I found it so jarring and so weird. It wasn't doing it for me. It's literally like how if you and I were suddenly put in front of a camera and told to do an American accent, it's so weirdly bad. And then, I mean, it doesn't improve. It's no better in Black Panther either. His accent in that is awful too. But um, anyway, all of this is to say, I mean, I really, really struggle to find TV shows that I that I like, especially ones that I want to binge watch. Um, you know, and, and obviously we've discussed before. You know, it, for me, it's The Sopranos. It's 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 Breaking Bad. Obviously, Better Call Saul kind of matches up a bit. Sons of Anarchy. Um, and then people are like, oh, well, we're Mr. Robot or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, oh, no, 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 not no. Mr. Robot. Uh, uh, so have you tried watching Suits? Have you tried watching Scandal? I'm like, get the fuck away from me if you're telling me to watch Scandal. Like, have you tried Friday Night Lights? Fuck off. Like, clearly you don't get what I need. I need criminality and good, good um, um, you know, mastery of the craft. Anyway, all of this is to say that Fargo season two, you don't need to watch Fargo season one because I did not finish it. Uh, Fargo season two is basically, to me, up there with, I mean, might be exaggerating to say as far as Breaking Bad, but it is definitely, it's, it's fuck, I mean, it's unbelievable. And I, I'll be honest, this would be a very unpopular opinion. I like the movie Fargo. I don't worship it like everyone else is. To me, it's, it, it's up there, but it's not Goodfellas or Reservoir Dogs or um, season two Fargo is one of the best things I've ever seen. I will absolutely check it out. Um, very quickly, while we're on the subject of TV, then, have you seen The Detour? No. Have you heard of it? N- no. Does the concept of a bloke um, in a woman's birthing pool screaming, fuck it, I'm fishing for clit rings, excite you? It does, because it sounds like The Greasy Strangler, which was the best it's, film of that. It's, <laughs> it's utterly depraved and very, very, very funny and disgusting, and I know you'd you love it, so you need to hunt that down. It's a North American show. I don't know which channel it's on in Canada, but it's definitely on. The Detour. I'm definitely going to watch it. Can I ask you, you recommended a, a movie to me uh, a few uh, years ago, uh, Sabura, and then there was yes. the Netflix series, and I loved the movie, and, and then I finally just finished the, the, TV, the network series, Sabura Blood Moon. Have you seen it? Yeah. What do you think of it? it just, yeah, I loved it. Uh, it was a little bit long, but I still really enjoyed it. I just got the uh, sort of thing today. They're filming season two. Oh, really? Yeah. See, I, I definitely enjoyed it. It was definitely three hours too long, which is sometimes the problem with these Netflix shows. They're just given too much. They don't need to keep you. I mean, the thing with the thing with Fargo, which is so amazing, is that 
whatever pressure the network, which I think is in effect, get, you know, networks sometimes are, are a positive influence, i.e. someone there going, hey, uh, hey lads, uh, have you thought about making it entertaining? Um, you know, you, thought, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like you look at a show like Blood, a movie like a show like Bloodline on Netflix, where season one, very good. Uh, season two, pretty awful. And then season three, you're like, th- that was 20 minutes of plot dragged over. I mean, uh, Suburb, Blood and Rome, I felt like season, the TV series was a few hours too long and a lot of very contrived things. But ultimately, I mean, pretty awesome, right? Yeah, no, I, I love all that. I love all of those Italian um, series dramas, which Netflix have picked up a few. There are a few that, that are still kind of, that uh, appear on Sky um, because Sky Italia, are big producers and supporters of Italian drama. So now yeah, I love. I, I I don't think there's one I haven't liked. Interesting. No, it's um, it, it it's it's really uh, yeah. And as I say, five seasons who just go for it. It it's blisteringly, beautifully, balletically violent, and it's organised crime, and it's it, real people, and and again, things that people say they love about the Fargos are uh, not the Fargos, the the Coen Brothers. It's all there. I mean, it's it's yeah. I I I I I, I honestly rarely come across something I like and Fargo season two was it. I'm going to watch this for sure, James. Wicked. We're going to finish this section. I've got a little quiz. It's literally a couple of questions from a quiz that I did on the Foul Critics, which I think you're going to enjoy. It's all about box office flops from last year. So they've tallied up the year end and I've got three titles here. The only clue I'm going to give you is the total amount that each film took gets progressively lower. Right. Okay. So I have to guess what the... You have to have to guess how much the film took. So, Dangerous Game with uh, Callum Best and Darren Day. Oh. How much do you think that took at the UK box office? 500 notes? £35. <laughs> now, I know that the next guy whose uh, film is up, that we both love him, uh, and it's Nick Love. And do you know what he's been up to? He had a new film out. He had a new film out, yes. It was called American Hero. It starred Stephen Dorff. Oh, my God. It sounds amazing. And how much do you think, <laughs> bearing in mind what the last answer was, how much did American Hero by Nick Love take at the UK box office? This is scandalous. These go, is, is it going down? Yes. £20. I mean, I, I mean, what is insane is that in this day mm. and age, how the fuck did I not know that Nick Love, one of my favourite directors, had a film out that I would yep. happily have paid to see? And this is the thing. If you said to me, oh, well, we've talked about this before, but it's like, I will pay to watch any British... Oh, I guess it's... So he's made it in America, has he? Yeah, he went to the States and this is what happens. Right, and so it's kind of shit. Uh, I've seen half of it. Right, so it doesn't bode well. <laughs> no, and I'll finish most to it. But... This, this, it gets. There's one more, James. Man Down, which is a war film starring Shia LaBeouf. Okay, and I'll give you the same question I gave on Foul Critics. How much did it take? And if see if you can name the city in which the person watched it. Okay, ten quid Newcastle. <laughs> I think it was seven quid in Barnsley. I can't remember where it was. <laughs> I mean, it's seven quid. Seven quid. I mean, I mean, the only thing I would give, I will, will say, and I know, you know what I'm going to say, is, of course, you want to watch it now. Well, there's that. I mean, I'm blatantly going to go and rent all three of these things right now to watch. Um, however, it is that thing now of um, 
you know, people just put things in the movie to make them eligible for certain tax breaks, et cetera, et cetera, not expecting anyone to actually go and see them. Uh, but it does seem weird that someone of Charlotte Booth's caliber, I say that, I just watched Nymph. I, I, this is how, I mean, it's weird. I say I've been busy. I, I fucking, I managed to, I got around to watching all six hours of Nymphomaniac the other week. Yeah, and it took you 12 hours to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you had some comfort breaks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we will return shortly where we are going to uh, talk about why and then get into some romantic comedies. Welcome back to Underground Nights, where James is going to explain why we are talking about romantic comedies. I have to say, I think basically, I mean, it's probably because it's one of the, it's the genre, other genre that I like most after the other ones we've covered from gangster films to British gangster films to American gangster films. And, um, and I guess it's also probably because it's the genre that I probably watch the most because it's the, one of the only genres that my wife and I both like. So um, I'll happily go and watch uh, rom-coms with her and, and have done many times. And you know what? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a sucker for them. And as you put, rightly put on the list, I'm a big fanny. Um, you are. Do you know what? what by When I've um, been researching for this podcast, it, it made me realise that actually I've seen I was going through like top 50 lists and looking through, just kind of getting to get a feel to put my list together and realised I'd seen nearly all of them myself as well. Right. I mean, it, 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 it's kind of interesting how when you think, when you do compare them to gangster movies slash crime movies, they're, they're very similar in that there's the handful of like, there's the handful of like great ones. And then there's so many that get, get churned out. Like you go onto Netflix and now Netflix obviously making them. And it's weird when you see one, for example, again, to my wife, I'm kind of a sucker for Sarah Jessica Parker rom-coms. So mm-hmm. um, weird, you know, you go on Netflix and there's one with her in it. And it's just true. I mean, just beyond diabolical awful. It's like, you know, it's like the rom-com equivalent of Mob Anded. And um, and it, it's just kind of interesting when you see a movie where you go, wow, she, here is a woman with all the money in the world, you know, presumably has some interest in her craft, but yet basically has taken, taken a free holiday in Italy just to be in this utterly terrible movie. I, I, I've never, I've really never understood that. As someone that's, you know, I've done terrible things for money and terrible jobs for money, but I've never, I've really done anything creative. I mean, everything I do creative that I enjoy pretty much I do for no money, right? I mean, that, that's, that, but, but I've never understood this thing where people can have that much money and do something creative uh, uh, just for money when they know it's shit. Anyway, so. I do you know what I've do, you've you know you just said like the the the, the sort of the mob handed of rom coms. Yeah, I've seen the mob handed of rom coms. Oh. Do you know what it is? What is it? It's bottoms up. Have you heard of it? No, but I, which I mean... stars which stars Paris Hilton and Jason Mewes. Right, um, this podcast is over. I am off to the video <laughs> shop. And I mean the video shop because I will not even be able to find this. This is one of those movies that you can't get digitally. You have to go. And I have rental stores near me with VHSs in them. So, um, it, Do you know what? Actually, if you've got, I think it might even be on Amazon Video. Oh, my, my, in the UK, it's saying watch now on Prime Video. So I think that means it's free in the UK. Oh, my God. Oh, and while we're on the subject, I, I don't think this, this was on there when we last spoke, that my stand-up special is on Amazon Video in the UK. 
Yeah, it was, because I sent you a picture of it next to fucking Goodfellows in my list. Exactly, which was, <laughs> trust me, made my decade. <laughs> so if you are listening to this, and you're about to go and watch Bottoms Up with Paris Hilton, um, watch me straight after, watch James Warren do anything is possible straight afterwards, because I want people, when they go on, when anyone that watches Bottoms Up, if you liked Bottoms Up with Paris Hilton, you might like James <laughs> and vice versa. That's basically the way it should be. Anyway, let's move well, on. Well, I want to know how my Amazon thing... Like was like, oh, you watch Goodfellas, you might like watching James Mullinger. <laughs> oh, I mean, God knows. I mean, oh god. So, James, clearly they know I've I've got form, mate. I've done yeah. a bit. Of, I've done a bit of stretching, clink, in it. In a in a very rare uh, uh, occurrence that has happened by sheer luck, um, you've actually seen a film that opens in the UK on Friday. <laughs> I th- you can just finish the sentence. You just you've, you've actually seen a film. You don't even need. Well, to no, say. but you, you you normally like if I send you a list of stuff to watch. To be fair, I do keep it to like one or two titles, but then you will watch them. Yeah, no, but I you've won't. seen a film called Love. Comma, Simon. Indeed. Um, so here's the thing. I, I, I do go, I do go to cinema quite a lot now. My, my wife's parents are um, amazing. And pretty much once a week we'll say, like, they'll come and babysit. And Tuesday night is cheap night. It's like $5, which is like £2.50 to go to the cinema. Um, so we pretty much go every week no matter what's on. I will very quickly point out that on my birthday, uh, my 40th birthday a few weeks ago, I went to the cinema on my own. Uh, with a pocket full of, well, I say a pocket, all of my pockets filled with cans of lager. And I sat and watched one of the best films I've seen in a long time, which is Eli Roth's Death Wish, um, which, uh, again, not a very popular opinion, but um, go and watch it on your 40th birthday, on your own, with eight cans of lager stuffed in your pockets. Trust me, you'll never be happier. Anyway, um, I'll say this. I love Simon. Uh, I don't know how much people know about it. It's been out here for a few weeks. Uh, a fair amount of hype, lots of people talking about it, lots of people posting about it on social media. I kind of knew that it was essentially, you know, a, a John Hughes movie, but uh, with a, 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 a gay protagonist. Um, and um, uh, went to see it. In the first minute, wasn't sure I was going to like it, felt like it was a bit um, uh, patronising, but it then uh, basically got swept up in it. And you know what? It's just beautiful. It's uh, brilliantly made, very entertaining, uh, brilliantly uh, kind of referential, not in an annoying Kevin Williamson way, uh, but in a John Hughes way. It, it literally is a John Hughes movie um, for now. And of course, yes, the kids have perfect lives outside of you know uh, their struggles. Um, and it's it, it's not preachy. It uh, the protagonist. I mean, the issue the 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 MacGuffin is the protagonist coming out. Yes, um, and again, he kind of makes the point that you know it's not. You know, his parents are going to be cool with it. They're liberals. His friends are going to be cool with it. But for whatever reason, you know, again, when people choose to come out, it's their right to choose when they want to come out. Anyway, uh, and I'm, and by the end, I must admit, I was, I was crying quite a lot. And um, when the movie ended, I mean, again, it, I live in a small town. Everyone knows everyone. I kind of had to make quite a sharp exit because uh, I was crying so much. And my wife actually turned to me and said, uh, is there something you want to tell me? Um, but um, uh, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, de- definitely go and see it. It's... Um, 
it d- kind of does feel like like Beautiful Thing was one of my favorite uh, films of the I believe nineties, like ninety three, ninety four. I believe that came out. The Jonathan Harvey play then movie about two gay uh, kids on a falling in love on a council estate. Um, uh, this kind of does feel like a landmark moment, and it's a big budget Hollywood movie. Uh, I, I guess Jennifer Garner's the only big big name star in it. Um, but it's doing massive box office and it people, you know, you're not watching it patting yourself on the back. You're not kind of like with Get Out. Like you're not watching that patting yourself on the back going, I'm doing not like we were all doing with 12 Years a Slave. We were watching it going, well, I'm doing my bit by watching this. I've pretty much I've pretty much uh, I, I, all my white guilt is gone because I just sat through 12 Years a Slave. Right. You know, um, uh, not in that way. It, it actually just in a it's very entertaining, very funny. And it's a beautiful love story. And uh, and I really enjoyed it in the same way I enjoy um, other rom coms um, with with you know with normal people in them. No, um, no you know what I mean. Uh, that was ironic uh, homophobia for any pricks listening. Um, but basically, I highly recommend it. Yeah, I, I I'm I'm curious now. I know you've mentioned John Hughes. I do I did look up the director's previous film, which is a, a two hour rom com with uh, with Catherine Heigl. Who I have to say, when I was younger, I had a mad crush on, but I I hear she's a monster to work with. Well, and and that's apparently thing. What was it? What was the movie with her that he directed? It was called Life as We Know It. Two single adults become caregivers to an orphan girl. Right, that's interesting. Yeah, my wife saw that and didn't mind it. Um, that it 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 was terrible, and um and poorly done. And I believe that was one of the, her last film was before she essentially got blacklisted and now is coming back. I just saw her in something the other week. Oh, terrible. Um, uh, like, like Hamlet Rocks the Cradle, Fatal Attraction type movie. It was absolutely diabolical. Um, but yeah, apparently she's, she's a monster. Although again, you just never know. I mean, it's, yeah, it's only what I've, I, I read it on the internet. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're saying, I mean, I've read it enough that it kind of sounds plausible, but then, but then this all began because she, you know, uh, dared to say that the set, the set of Knocked Up might not have been completely, you know, the best place for her. And 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 it's and and then it's like you know it's that classic thing where the woman's made out to be the the kind of the 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 bitch with that sense of humour. It's like you know what I'm not sure I would really want to be stuck in a trailer with Seth Rogen and Jonah Hill fifteen years ago. Particularly, no, neither would I. Um, you know, even now I don't know. You know, I mean, I've you know got my own fart problems. I don't need anyway. Um, but yeah, anyway, all of this is to say, Love Simon, uh, excellent film. Um, uh, and uh, you know. Like I say, it, it, it does feel of the moment, uh, because but and it does feel, but nothing about the film is statementy. It's just it's just good fun. Cool. Um, we're going to move on now to something I recommended you watch, which very few people have seen. There's only like 1,500 reviews on IMDb. It's a bugger to find even on DVD nowadays, I think. Um, and that is Jeff Anderson. Uh, who most people will know was Randall from Clerks, his directorial debut um, from 2002 called Now You Know. Yeah, and I, I, I just watched this today. It's kind of interesting uh, that you pick this, especially when we get round to our list of top five rom-coms, because there's definitely a crossover with what you were talking about earlier and this and something. Um, also, of course, stars Rashida Jones, who is now, you know, a, a big player in when it comes to... Um, with these kind of movies. Yeah, this was her first proper... She'd done a few bits of TV and some bit parts, but this was her first proper role. Right. I mean, I mean, the thing, the thing I, I, I would say about it is that I found it very interesting because it is, it's very good 
um, it's very low budget. And some of the scenes you can see are being somewhat improvised between maids. Uh, Kevin Smith's coming at the beginning is very funny. There's also lots of very funny lines. Also, oddly, there are elements, even though there's elements of it that are completely ridiculous, there's also elements of it that are completely believable. And it's also quite well handled and ahead of its time. Um, Why did you recommend it? Why, what was it about this film that, that it resonates with you? Well, I, I'd already I'd seen this before. I think I, I don't know if this was before or after Clerks 2, but I was absolutely fascinated by Clerks 2 and the chemistry between Randall and Elias. Right. And to find out that those two had done another film together, yeah. I was like, I have to see this. And the chemistry in this is just as good, but it's a strange one because you do have this, you know, quite sweet romantic story, but then the side characters in this film almost overshadow that because you're, you're really concentrating on what Jeff Anderson and um, I can't remember his name. This is the guy who plays Elias. But anyway, yeah, the, the, that that guy, I, he, everything I've seen him in, right, he's been really good. And I feel really bad because he's just not in anything. I don't think he's barely worked. Right. It, 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 it's, it's a weird curse, isn't it, of, of the Kevin Smith group that mm. um, for all of them, you know, and again, you mentioned Jason Mewes earlier. Like, it's weird how for all of these um, performers who are all so good in those movies, and they're kind of good at most things you see them in. They don't seem to get much other work. No, it is a real... Stra- that's Trevor Furman, that's his name. Right, oh yes, that's and, it, yeah. And I first saw him in a film called... Uh, it came out around the same time, called Cheats, about a guy at a school who cheats on the exams. And literally, dude, his IMDb, has he's done Now You Know, Cheats and Clerks 2. He hasn't worked since Clerks 2. I mean, part of that is, is presumably a choice, like 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 a guy Must who, be. who was basically given you know a chance to work with his mates, so he did, and that was that, you know, um, as opposed to kind of he's out pounding the pavement, auditioning, hoping you know to get some work. But um, yeah, it, it it is weird when you come across a movie like that that is as good as that, and there's so many shit movies that get talked about regularly and there's this kind of movie yeah it's it's a weird kevin the way that kevin smith conducts this guy actually met met him he came to saint john for uh, the first ever fundy fan fest here last year and um you know was just as as you as you would imagine the nicest guy in the world to everyone and could not have given the fans more time but it's such uh there's literally been no career quite like his like someone that made you know uh, well, you know, the way that Clerks broke out in itself is utterly unique, but then goes on to, you know, basically be a possible player to direct a kind of Superman, a DC movie, uh, and then, of course, having huge blockbuster or, or, you know, huge comedy hits, but then going off and making weird independent things, and then his friends kind of, um, like, none of his friends have been successful in other projects, I don't think. No, I mean, I don't think Jeff Anderson's done done much since, which is, again, such a shame, because he did a really good job on that film. What? There's no reason he couldn't be given more directing work. Yeah, I agree. It was competent, it was funny, it was well-made, I loved the people in it. You know, Rashida Jones, it was a breakout film, and she's gone on to do, like, amazing work since then. He's ticked all the boxes of a breakout director and yet hasn't done anything else since that no, I know of. No, it's weird. And and again, I mean, I can't thank you enough. I, I, I tell you, my only disappointment with the film was um, simply that you have a track record of recommending shit to me that I have never heard of. And I think, 
but I've never heard of it. So this can't be. And when I watch them, generally, it's like they enter my top 10 list ever. Um, so this, while um, I'm delighted and I now see why you recommend it. And again, it is weird for a movie this good to be completely overlooked. Um, however, you know, my benchmark is Clown and uh, oh, and, oh. and, and, and When you recommend a movie to me that I've never heard of, um, yeah, it's Clown and uh, nothing, frankly, can match up to that. Oh, that's, that's very kind of you to say that. And I shall make sure that future recommendations live up to those kind of standards. Um, we've got a little treat now for people because, well, let's be honest, because the director's your mate and I met him yeah, as well. well so we kind of well. like, yeah. we kind of became friendly. So um, we are going to talk about a brand new romantic comedy which um, it hasn't even got a release date yet, has it? No, and this is—I mean, this could not be more of an exclusive. I mean, there's, there's nope. been one. There's been an on-set report written about it by Hey You Guys, um, yep. And uh, and the, the I believe that the writer also saw the film and very very impressed by it and loved it. And you and I are probably two of the only other people outside of the production to see it. Um, again, as as you know, and I, I mean, listeners recall, but. Um, so it's written and directed by by Mark Murphy, who uh, it was the writer and director of the film Community's Guide to Survival that we talked about a lot uh, 18 months, t- two years ago, which is the movie about my uh, based on my early years in comedy. Um, I should point out here, yeah, just because I, I am completely impartial, I've had nothing to do with this film. And I knew Mark was shooting it, but that is all. Um, and it's one of those things where time just shoots by, but one thing... One minute you hear your mates make another film, and the next thing you know it's done. The next thing you know you're watching it. I mean, the I mean, first of all, I mean, a it's extremely funny. The production. Should we, should, should we name the title? It's called for it. What it's now called for love or money. For love or money. So look out for for love or money. Um, you, when you're googling it, it may it was originally called the Revenger, wasn't it? Um, yes. Revenger, an unromantic comedy, uh, but the uh, distributors changed it to for love or money, which again is. Uh, a, a, a great, you know, a, a good enough name. Maybe it's more, uh, maybe it's more catchy. They obviously know what they're doing. Um, I, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. How, how, how did you, uh, how did you get on? I, I laughed like a drain. I, I, because I obviously knew what it was about and what we um, hoped, and it delivered on what was going to happen. You've got that kind of set up for the first sort of ten, fifteen minutes, but then you have almost like an hour of it playing in that sandpit of that guy messing with that woman and it was it's the romantic comedy that i think i've always wanted to see so to set it up the 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 guy is um finds out that his fiance is essentially tricking him to get his money it's they're gonna get married she's gonna walk off it's a very silly plot set up however that hour spent of him knowing and her not knowing and him messing with her and doing all those crazy things was absolutely glorious i could not stop laughing i agree i mean this is the thing this thing we've talked about before when talking about i mean both you know mark's projects but also you know numerous other films that we've loved you know i laughed way more in this than almost any hollywood movie that i've seen in the in, in the past few years i mean i went to see a game night the other week you know i mean somewhat well executed um uh, I mean, completely ridiculous, uh, as, as comedies have the right to be. You know, I probably laughed three or four times in Game Night. Uh, I laughed three or four times in the first 10 minutes of this film. And again, I mean, that's all uh, down to, obviously, Mark's uh, scripting, uh, the jokes that, uh, that that he has uh, written, and also the performances. I mean, 
the, the, the two lead actors do have incredible chemistry. You do feel like you're watching two actual best mates because we've all got mates yeah. like that, right? Um, yeah. But she's a monster, and but she comes across as an absolute fucking monster. So, it, and it's beautiful. Yeah, and that's kind of the genius of it is that there's the plot of you know the woman marrying the guy for the money. What he's done is quite ingeniously taken quite you know the the, the hackneyed plot of you know the, the woman uh, chasing the guy's money, and then in some movies you might have a couple of minutes where he knows and toys with her during the end of the movie. And as you uh, so rightly you know, hit the nail on the head. The genius of what he's done here is stretch that bit and maximise the comic possibilities of that over the bulk of the film. Um, which, yeah, it always surprises me how... And, and ultimately, you know, she doesn't improve and she doesn't become... That's another thing I think is very smart about it, is that she doesn't, at the end, um, you know, see the error of her ways. She remains a, a nightmare. And um, and then he... Oh, actually, sorry, I shouldn't... I, I was about to... Yeah, yeah, don't go into spoilers for this. That was, that was terrible, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what I just said, I don't think spoils anything. What I was about to say was going to. However, uh, what I'll say is it, it, it does the unexpected all the time. And it's... Um, yes. It's um, consistently funny. And um, and it's unlike almost any other rom-com I've seen. I mean, it, I mean, I, yeah. So for all of those reasons, can't recommend it highly enough. And I just want to end on the the the, the bride to be's parents who, because I was loving it, I was loving all the stuff where he was messing with her. But when they get to her parents' house, it just jumped to a completely different level, and I was fucking in bits. That Ivan K, I, 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 do you know what? I don't even know who he is, but. He was absolutely brilliant as her father. I thought he fucking knocked it out of the park. I, I, I agree. He was absolutely amazing, utterly convincing. Every line that came out of his mouth was genius. Cool. When we return, we were going to count down our top five rom-coms. Welcome back to Underground Nights, where me and James are going to count down our top five romantic comedies. So, James, what have you got for me at number five? Right, at number five, I'm going to very quickly do my joint number six list, as I always do. <laughs> just, to, just to quickly do, just to very quickly, <laughs> just to very quickly do the almost rands. Uh, the almost rands were Groundhog Day, The Holiday, Splash, Knocked Up, Dazed and Confused, Lost in Translation, There's Something About Mary and The Neon Demon. Um, but my number five is Enough Said with Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Tony Soprano. Oh, do you know what? I don't even know what this is. Oh, Ooh. very, very good film. It's um basically a very uh, beautifully... Well, I think it's actually Gandolfini's... No, Gandolfini's last film was... Uh, the one with Tom Hardy, wasn't it? The drop, or maybe it was this, but I think it might have been this actually. But it's an incredibly beautiful, incredibly mature, incredibly funny uh, romantic comedy that um, it somehow fits between so many genres. Like it's not, you know, a Kirby enthusiasm or Veep style, you know, absurd thing. It's also not overly sentimental. It just is extremely real, and um, it's not hysterically funny, um, but it is. You know, in the same way a Woody Allen movie is, and neither of them are uh, rapists or pedophiles. So, yeah, enough said, it's called, and uh, it's it's wonderful. Well, um, well, I, I shall do my what what is known in podcasting land as honourable mentions, James. <laughs> not, your, not your top six joint ones. <laughs> well, my honourable mentions are The Big Sick. Oh, yes, yes. I recently yep. saw that, and it is excellent. Uh, now you know, which we've just covered. Um, Muriel's wedding. 
Yes, I forgot. Muriel's on the doll. Muriel's bloody useless. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very. And um, and the forty-year-old virgin. But my my number five is um, it's it's the wedding singer. Interesting. Because I love that, and I love Adam Adam Sandler. I loved you, Barrymore. I loved all the songs in it. It was really sweet. This is probably the sweetest, funniest, most mainstream thing on my list, to be fair. But yeah, it, it, yeah, perfect for me. It this perfectly encapsulates the the, the genre. Yeah, and, and and I agree. It's a it's a it's a wonderful film. Uh, the um the. I guess I slightly missed it at the time in terms of it's for a lot of people it's a huge part of their childhood and and all the rest of it. Um, however, there is absolutely no question that that is a bang on solid rom com, and I fully uh, endorse your choice if you give a shit what I think. <laughs> Which I don't. Uh, what's your number four, James? My number four is one that actually appeared, I believe, in our sex comedy episode too. But I'm, I'm afraid it has to come back. It's Bachelor Party, which um, right. is it a rom com? Well, it's somewhat romantic, and it is a comedy. And I, I still to this day maintain that Bachelor Party is one of the most o- uh, overlooked, underrated films of, of all time. Um, it's also Tom Hanks. I mean, let's face it, Tom Hanks. 30 years ago, was chasing Tawny Kitten around a room with a whisk, threatening to put it inside an orifice. He's now mm-hmm. shuffling papers opposite Meryl Streep. When did he peak? I tell you what, it weren't last year. Um, back to the party. Uh, and also, and I should note, I think we both had the soundtrack to this. We do. I've got it on vinyl. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah? It, yeah, got it on vinyl. bought it in the place... Uh, a place called Odd Spot in Burlington last year. I listen to it regularly. I, I love the soundtrack to uh, the Party. And I love, of course, everyone knows I'm, I'm, I have my own rom-com going with the finest actor of all time, Adrian Smed, who plays his best man in it. So, uh, <laughs> the Party. Well, my number four is a film that combines not just a rom-com, but a bloke who likes collecting vinyl records. And that's uh, High Fidelity. Cool. I mean, come on, it's, it is genius in terms of, I'm not going to lie, I don't pay that much attention to the plot and the love story, and I am spend the entire time on screen trying to work out what records he's got in his shop. Yeah, yeah, well, fair <laughs> enough. Well, it's like that scene in the book and the film, which is far more magical in the book, but, you know, when he goes to pick up by the collection, it's the best collection ever, and it's uh, the woman's selling them without her husband knowing. I mean, I think we've all sat and thought. Yeah, I mean, I've played that. I've played the game of would I or would I not buy that, and I've also also played the game of imagining what would be my perfect record haul find. Um, I've played that game more times than I've played how much would it cost uh, for you to suck a cock or um, how many guns would you need to your head to shag your mum. I've actually played the vinyl game more times than that even, which is amazing because I play that, both of those games every day. Do you, do you know I've done the, the, the ultra-budget version of this in real life? What's that? Well, I, I was at a, uh, it was early, it was about, I think it was two years ago, early in the boot fair season, I went to this really tiny boot fair so for international listeners, which is a like a, a yard sale at the back of your car. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, we got there. It was near Ashford in Kent, and I looked and there were like twelve people, like twelve cars there, and I was like, oh fuck mm. off! Why have you driven all this way? Mm. And I walked walked round the, the the front of these cars, did a sort of U round to the back, and then the last car on the last row, there were like 
just this huge row and crates of records. And I thought, oh, thank God. And I went over and I started flicking through them. And I'm like, you know, how much do you want for your records, love? And she goes, they're a pound each. And I thought, oh, good, I'll pick that, 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 that. And she went, give me 50 quid, you can take the lot. And I looked at them. There were like 500 records there. And I'm looking at her and I'm looking at Catherine. And I'm thinking, and she's like, no, no, not bringing all those home. And I'm like, we fucking are. Mate, I could, that money came straight out of my wallet in one motion. <laughs> In, and was it, into was her it? hand and here's the kicker I said so where where have they come from then she goes well he left me oh oh, <laughs> oh but, but you, you took him right you took him oh fucking right I took him <laughs> <laughs> I was like Catherine get the other end we picked these picked these crates up one of us at each end and literally ran back to the car because yeah, I was worried he was going to turn up quick before he turns up <laughs> I swear to you, mate, exactly how it happened. <laughs> and and then, so one important part of the story was what, how good was it? Was it gold or was it kind of just very good? It was. Well, do you remember all the, all the years you spent down the crypt? Yeah. It was everything they were playing. Oh, so gold then. It was gold. gold. I mean, yeah, yeah, complete. I mean, I dream of that happening. I mean, when I, I mean, and for me, it's obviously with vinyl, but mainly with VHS. Like, I remember in the olden days, you know, Every now and again, you'd turn up at a boot sale. And again, you'd have a glorious moment when you'd be pleased just to find a load of pre-Sir Warner VHSs. But of course, there were some people that remember the days when they could turn up and there'd be a, a suitcase full of video nasties for a pound each. I mean, it's fair to say in the... I mean, the, I mean I, I, I'm I, really happy to hear that because you've ruined my life because I've kind of given up searching yard sales, knowing that they're, they're out there, there isn't that kind of... Um, secret hidden stash that someone doesn't know what it's worth anymore but i guess we're almost coming around to the second cycle of it now whereby there might be people started collecting three years ago bought loads of rarities and now split up i mean I've well just... yeah the the, the the rare for vinyl records 90s albums is where it's at yeah i mean it's like um I guess the trick is to go around and start, you know, breaking up relationships. When we go around on Valentine's Day and go mm. up to geezers and go, oh, mate, you drop this and pass them a pack of hypno and stuff just to try and, <laughs> like, like get more, more women to leave more men in, in a rage. And, uh, yeah, that's the kind of prank I, I used to play. Um, okay. So, so what's your number three? I've got, I've, I'm just, I, 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 I almost didn't do this, but I just had to be honest. It, it is, and uh, it is love, actually. Oh. Do you know what? I watched this at Christmas and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. You know I'd seen it before, but right. I, I just wanted to rewatch it. I, I, I went to see it when it came out uh, mm. and then and wept like a baby. So I guess 2002, I've been at G, it was a press screening, then took my wife the next day. And then a few weeks later, took, went with my, it was in Canada visiting my wife's family, went with them. I, I mean, I've probably seen it more times than any other film. I've read all of the, you know, it's, you know, um, misogynistic because of this and blah, 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 you know. I mean, all of those things are true. You know, yes, Andrew Lincoln, it, it's creepy that he turns up at, his, at the door of his... But you know what? So is everything when you break it down. It's like, yes, okay, you know. I mean, again, and this is I'm the person that was complaining that I couldn't enjoy three billboards, so I thought it was racist. However, with uh, Love Actually, I think, you know, anything that, you know, I've just always enjoyed it. I get swept up in it. It does get me in the Christmas spirit, in, in, in much the same way the holiday does, although it's, uh, the holiday's not, not nearly as good. And um, and I just love it, and it does make me cry. Perfect. I mean, I I love it. I love it too. I mean, I I can't lie. I watched it, and I was like, I was. It made me feel really happy, and I love Andrew Lincoln as well. So that's it. Yeah, exactly. 
my number three is Chasing Amy. Interesting. Mm. Interesting, because uh, that is also on my list. Oh, no. Seriously. We are coming. To, it's actually my number one. I haven't. Oh, that, fuck off. Well, I, we'll save that. We'll save that then. So what's your number two? My number two is How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. With, uh, yes, which you, you made me watch this, James. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know about the uh, Matthew McConaughey leaning against the leading lady poster thing? Yes, I've seen that because failure to launch <laughs> with Sages of the Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it. What, what's weird is when, when my wife and I went to see this and loved it, and then it was kind of our go-to, we're hammered, let's stick something on. Or rather, I would I was sticking, you know when you're kind of on, on one and you, you want to carry on drinking and you're worried your wife might make you go to bed, but you want to pound back a few more litres of gin, so you put on something she wants to watch. I, I, it was, that was kind of the movie, and she was used to fall asleep, and then I would just keep watching it and kind of got hooked on it. And now I absolutely love it because I associate it with my favourite thing in the world, which is drinking alone. <laughs> I, 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 I think it was... <laughs> But what's weird about it is that I always thought he was a genius. And it's weird how now everyone thinks he is. He did Mud and then he did, uh, you know, a show that had nine amazing episodes and one dog shit one. Um, true, true detective. Um, uh, all, all, all these, you know, everyone now is like, "Oh, Matthew McConaughey is a genius." And I'm like, "Yeah, I fucking could have told you that when I watched How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days." And again, I mean, it's a guilty. I mean, it's one of those movies that, again, it's good to pleasure. But I, I, I find it works, and it's quite sweet, and uh, and I like Hudson in it, and um, you know, uh, that is it really. It's funny, like um, I'm not going to try and justify it. I, do you know what? I did actually quite enjoy it watching it. I had, I, I, once I kind of got into it, I realised I had actually seen it before. <laughs> so it was, it was a rewatch. <laughs> so you managed to get me to rewatch How to Lose a Guy. Oh, yeah. Well, um, my number two is a joint, stealing some of your thunder here, having a joint, but it's pretty in pink and 16 candles. Genius. Now, mm. good calls. And I must admit, I do feel now at this juncture that I've neglected, um, I've left out shoes ones, which probably should have been in there. Because, I mean, again, I mean, does weird science fit? You know, actually probably not. Um, oh, you, can, I tell you, can I quickly tell you my weird science story? Yeah. When the BBFC changed the certificate from AA to 15, yeah. meaning you had to be 15 instead of 14, I was gutted. However, Weird Science was the first film that I was actually fit, that I was able to go and see as a 15-year-old. Oh, really? Mine was uh, Under Siege, I think. If you grew up in my generation, that then you loved Molly Ringwald and you loved John Hughes. Even if you didn't know who John Hughes was, because we didn't, we didn't have film news and stuff. You weren't aware. It was just you had films. You weren't kind of – there wasn't this kind of whole – fanfare around a film about who the director was and there was no internet i didn't there wasn't it wasn't in like the local newspaper or on the southern news no 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 there was barry norman and there was the halliwell's film guide and then yeah you know there was you know again the maybe Derek winner in the radio times but yeah i mean those are all the things that i studied but you're right you you knew who directed it but you didn't know every detail of the making of it now remind no. me it's funny because I actually just recently bought 16 Candles on, on DVD and haven't got around to re-watching it. And it's like I've never seen it, to be honest. 
Um, which one of the two films that you named, one of them has a, a, a now questionable scene of sexual, um, kind of like, I believe I'm correct in saying it's in Revenge of the Nerds. There's that scene Yeah, she rapes her. It's basically, it's a rape, right? Yeah, it, you can't dress it up any other way. It definitely is. Isn't there a scene like, isn't there something questionable in 16 Candles? I seem to recall all the other ones. I can't. Do you know what? I honestly can't remember. I I have seen them in the last few years. Yeah, no, it's um, weird. I, I I I just came across this recently. There was some someone was questioning something, and again, it wasn't as overt as 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 uh, Revenge of the Nerds. But um, no, excellent choices, and I and I couldn't agree more. And as you say, like we all grew up loving Molly Ringwald, and we wanted her to be our um, you know, girl next door. Absolutely. So. So your number one, which you've already given away. Yes, was is Chasing Amy, which is fascinating because one we started off early talking about, you mentioned Jason Mewes very early on. Then, of course, there's the, there's the aspects of Now You Know. Um, Chasing Amy, I just always loved. It. And it's weird. I mean, Kevin Smith is one of my favourite directors in the... I mean, every genre he's nailed. And I'm not sure there's many directors that have, that have nailed it from, you know, nailing underground twisted horror to rom-coms again i mean jersey girl i mean is good for a movie about ben affleck uh discovering he's got a baby my wife absolutely loves it i quite like that it was absolutely fucking slaughtered at the box yeah office. absolutely destroyed but yeah and it was basically destroyed because of a jiggly or whatever it was but you know Ugh, right yeah. beforehand but um but it's a perfectly the weird thing where kevin smith suffers is that when he, you know because he's Kevin Smith, when he makes a movie, it's a Kevin Smith movie. And um, so I guess with Jersey Girl, he made a movie that was meant to appeal to everyone. And um, Kevin Smith fans didn't want to see it. And non-Kevin Smith fans didn't want to see it because it was a Kevin Smith movie. So they thought it was going to be, you know, filthy. Um, anyway, um, Chasing Amy, I just always found it massively romantic, hugely realistic, extremely funny. And um, and in many ways, it's the perfect rom-com because also it's a fairly left-field rom-com as well. So uh... well, yeah. I mean, it's not just it's not boy meets girl. It's obviously it's all about um, Jason Lee being in love with Ben Affleck, isn't it? That's why it's it's killer. Well, well, that's it. If you imagine in '97, if Ken, Kevin Smith said, "Yeah, I've done a gay rom-com." There's no fucking way that the studio would have released it. I know. But the way he did it was genius. genius. Yeah. And I can't is it, what's that girl's name? Lot, the girl that's also in Dazed and Confused. That's the, the yeah, well, that, he was dating her, wasn't he? Joey Lauren Adams. Finger, finger cuffs. Right. And she was my favorite. <laughs> I mean, I mean, she was my crush back then as well. Just because of her voice, I suspect. It, well, exactly. And, um, and, and then it, all of the stuff with. Yeah, it just even just with Ben Affleck and her, and the fact that you know the the, the confusion there and stuff, I I absolutely loved. Uh, yeah, Chasing Amy. So to me, it's the number one rom com. What's yours? Well, mine, and you're going to hate me for this because um, it's actually a Korean film. Oh, do you know what it is? What is it? It's called My Sassy Girl. Oh, I'm not going to hate you. I'm going to go and watch it. Honestly, it's um, it's based on a story that was posted on the internet in Korea. Yeah. Um, about this, this this love story, which basically kicks off this this guy um, rescues a drunk girl um, on on the tube, and the people around them think that she's um, his girlfriend. Um, I, and I don't really want to say more than that because it it genuinely is based on this story that was posted on the internet. Is it true? I couldn't tell you. Um, but you you kind of have to watch it just to see what happens and the way it ends. And it's truly, truly magical. 
I will say that the Americans remade this and completely and utterly fucked it. Of course they did. What, what, oh my god! No, I, I, no, I don't mean they fucked it. They, it's like they, they thought, oh, let's let's redo Goodfellas and made mob handed. Right, right, right. Okay. <laughs> Will it spoil it to tell me what that film is? What the remake? It's called My Sassy Girl. Oh, 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 oh they literally. I mean, that's. Oh my god. Okay, so luckily I haven't seen it. I don't know anything about it. Okay. It's uh, Elijah Cuthbert and Jess Bradford. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Look, I'm just going to look right on IMDb. So. My Sassy Girl, the, it's actually got six on IMDb, wow. the, the remake, but the um, um, I'm curious what the original's got. I'm guessing it's pretty high. Let's have a look. 2001, and that has got 8.1. That's not far knocking off the top 250. You know what? I mean, it, it's not often I say this. Well, it is, actually. I often say this whenever you recommend a film. I'm going to go and watch that right now. Oh, do you know when you said earlier about the, the kind of levels you're looking at and, and your expectation? Yeah. This is fucking amazing. I promise you, it will freak your nut out and you will absolutely love it. Okay, I'm 100%. Yes, I'm so happy. I did, without even realising. This is amazing. <laughs> um, it's funny, you saying that has made me realise that probably the next... I think the next subject for this show should be uh, foreign movies or maybe, like, for example, I'd love to talk to you about about The Handmaiden, which I absolutely uh, love. Um, but I think we should probably do, if anyone is still listening, anyone in the world, <laughs> if anyone is still listening, let's put it out, let's put it out to, to our listeners. Listener. Ooh, let's do you know what, James? Yeah. James, you know our lovely listeners? Yeah. They they've sent us in some um, rom com recommendations. Do you want me to read some out? I'd love to hear them. Adele PJ on Twitter. Yeah, she's gone for ten things I hate about you. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, given she kindly listens to the show. Actually, you know what? I was about to slag it off. I haven't seen it. <laughs> okay, uh, Gareth Owen uh, on Twitter. He's gone for bringing up baby, clueless, bull Durham. Oh. Train wreck, Annie Hall, the apartment, and the Princess Bride. You know what, Bull Durham, bang on, uh, uh, good suggestion, and I did forget it. And I've said it before on this show, and I'll say it again. That was my very first Fred's pocket. Oh, marvelous! Um, somebody called uh, the new brunette. She got very. <laughs> oh, marvelous! <laughs> trying to gloss over the bit where these people have written in. You're talking about masturbating. Um, the, the 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 lovely new brunette. She she got very excited by this topic, and she's even like like cracks knuckles. She's gone for when Harry met Sally, mm-hmm. Groundhog Day. Mm, yeah. Oh, I think she's covering all bases here. Overboard. Oh, fair play, fair play. That is banging. That is banging. Yep. Roxanne. Yeah. Yeah. Mannequin. I love Mannequin. Yes. Oh, you know what? Uh, an oversight on our part. Mannequin. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, Pretty in Pink, which we've covered. Much Ado About Nothing. 17 Again. Don't know that. Yeah. Thir- 13 Going on 30. Um, Some Like It Hot. Sleepless in Seattle. Forgetting Sarah Marshall, she's all that. Something's got to give. Hang on, and there's one more. Uh, get over it. Mm. Only you. Music and lyrics. The holiday. Leap year. Oh, and inner space. Is inner space a romantic comedy? I mean, I guess it is. Meg Ryan's in it, so it's got to be. Uh, that's a fair point. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, leap year. That, that is 
I, I, I mean, I am so grateful that people listen to this show. Simon Morrison's gone for Shaun of the Dead, Trainwreck, Princess Bride, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, Deadpool, A Knight's Tale, and The 40-Year-Old Virgin. And where's that one? There's a really good one. Uh, Car Boot Vinyl Diaries has gone for When Harry Met Sally, Pretty Woman, and Easter Parade. Nice. Steve, up to Steve, my mate, has gone for With Nail and I. Uh, oh, fair, fair call. And this, I'm going to end on this because this is my favourite. Uh, Warren has gone for 50 First Dates, only because my mate's dad received it after ordering the 51st state off a mate in the pub and getting 50 first dates. That's, that is genius. <laughs> and there is no better way to end the show. Not least the fact that someone, ordered, the simple fact that someone tried to order this 51st date with Terry L. Jackson, British crime movie in the pub. I mean, I mean off the hooky DVD bloke. And ended up with 50 days, nothing. The look on that geezer's face when he cracked open a red stripe and sat back with his cock in his hand and a rolled-up note in the other and a mirror in front of him and 51st Dates was that. I mean, enough respect. Great ending. Absolutely. And if you do want to tell us what you want us to talk about next, please do, because we actually will do what you tell us. Drop us a tweet to at James Mullinger or at Pafsta or at UG Knights. One of us will pick it up somewhere. Underground Knights is presented by James Mullinger and Paul Field. This episode was produced by me, Owen Hughes, and the music was provided by James Yule. Underground Knights is a part of the Failed Critics network of podcasts, along with the Failed Critics film podcast and our gaming podcast, Character Unlock. You can check us out at failedcritics.com forward slash underground hyphen knights or find us on Twitter at UG Knights. Thanks for listening. Okay, you know what? Um, I am going to go. Right, okay. You ready? Yeah. Five. In a, oh, oh, sorry. No, stop. I haven't counted as in yet. Hold on. Sorry, sorry. Oh, oh, sorry, oh, sorry, okay. sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I was just going to do welcome back. Hold on. This is Welcome the show, back is it? to... <laughs> Yeah, wait, 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 have, you, wait. have you ever done broadcasting before, James? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> it's been a while, you can't. <laughs>